Thank you, Ben. Thank you for that song. Thank you that we have the truth to stand on. Amen. Take your Bibles and let's go to the book of uh, Mark, chapter number 10. I feel compelled just to say again, don't just use your talents for you. Use your talents for God's glory. And that goes to all of our young people as well. And um, it's not always easy to stand up in front of people who know you and um, minister. That's probably a scarier place to do than people who don't know you. Um, if you've ever tried to witness to your family, you know what I'm talking about. Um, and yet, uh, appreciate you guys doing that. Thank you. Thank you for ministering this morning. and encourage it to my heart. Mark chapter number 10, we continue with our, our thoughts here. And as we walk into this, we, we're going to see Jesus dealing with children. And I thought it was interesting that we come to this text on the Sunday that we're relaunching our children's program. And um, I didn't plan that, but maybe the Lord planned that. And so here we are at this text this morning. Um, how many of you know some people like children and some people don't? And some people like some children, they don't like others, right? Um, um, I, I'm, always, I'm always, you know, we, we joke about it, but anytime I compliment somebody's child for their behavior, I say, man, he was really well behaved. Like, well, could you get him to do that when he's at our house, you know? And uh, there's always that contrast, but I thank God for children. Um, I'm, I'm a little old school in my references at times, and there was an actor, W.C. Fields. Anybody heard of W.C. Fields? All right, a few of you. Okay, good. I'm not, I'm not that old school, I guess, but this is how old school it was for those of you young people this morning. 1946 is when he died. That was the end of his life. So this is back there a ways. Um, but thank, my, my grandfather fought in World War II, and so all, of, all the comedians that we listened to growing up were the comedians he knew. And so, but W.C. Fields, he was an actor, comedian, and he had this, his stick all the way through was that he didn't like kids. And he had a couple of phrases like this. He said, I never met a kid I liked. Um, and then he said another one, he said, anybody who hates kids and dogs can't be all bad. <laughs> and he just had this whole run that he would just make light of them. Now, I hope nobody here has that same of kids this morning. You may not be as good working with them as others, but I hope this morning you don't have that impression of kids. But we're going to look at this text together and see what God's purpose is in bringing this to light. And by the way, God has a purpose in each text that he's trying to drive a message home. Nothing's in the Bible accidentally. And I think one of the dangers as we come to a text of scripture that is very familiar to us, and we're going to read it in a minute, and you'll know the familiarity you know, suffer the little children to come unto me, for such is the kingdom of God. And we hear that text, and we know that text, and we kind of almost pass over it because we know it so well. Other texts of Scripture, uh, I told my wife last week we were talking about uh, teaching and such as this, and, and I said some other texts of Scripture, they give us uh, what I want to call intellectual indigestion. You read it and you go, I don't like that, I don't understand that, it doesn't seem to fit. Is, was that really Jesus saying that? And, and you have to wrestle with it a while until you kind of, okay, all right, I'm starting to understand that. But then other texts, there just seem to be so clear that we kind of pass over the top of them without seeing the point of what he's trying to get at. And so I hope this morning that you'll go on this journey with me to understanding uh, this text of Scripture. Let's be, begin by reading together this morning. And we'll read verses 13 through 16, just four verses. If you found your place, let's stand in honor of the Word of God. Verse 13 through 16, 
And they brought young children to him that he should touch them. And his disciples rebuked those that brought them. When Jesus saw it, he was much displeased and said unto them, Suffer the little children to come unto me, and forbid them not, for such is the kingdom of God. Verily I say unto you, whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child, he shall not enter therein. He took them up in his arms, put his hands upon them, and blessed them. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you that your word is sufficient. Father, we thank you that you do meet our needs and feed our soul through your word. And Lord, this morning as we open this text, somewhat familiar to us, or may we look into it with eyes to see and ears to hear. And as the psalmist would pray, open thou mine eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. And Lord, may that be the case this morning. This in the precious name of Jesus we ask it. Amen. You can be seated. I'm very thankful that God blessed our home with children. And um, not every home is privileged to have children. Not every marriage is blessed in that way. Um, but I'm thankful for the blessing that God gave our home with having children. Uh, in just a week, in two days, we're going to get in a car and drive our oldest out to Chicago for her to start college. And that has come on us extremely fast. But I'm very thankful uh, that God gave us the years he did with our oldest and, of course, our son and my, my baby. Savannah, she's not a baby anymore. She's 11, but I still call her our baby. And, uh, but just so thankful for our children, thankful for God blessing our home with them. Um, I remember the song that we sang as children in Sunday school. Jesus loves the little children, all the children of the world. And I thought as I was listening to that, I think if we could just get a good dose of Sunday school into the world, it would solve a lot of problems, you know? Um, Jesus loves the little children of the world. Red and yellow, black and white, they are precious in his sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world. And just, just a good truth that is found in there. So as we begin our text this morning, and the whole of the text, I want you to ponder for the next two times we come to this chapter, and really a large portion of Mark 10 is committed to this question. And the question is this, who will enter the kingdom of heaven, and how will they enter the kingdom of heaven? Who will enter the kingdom of heaven, and how will they enter the kingdom of heaven? This account is repeated for us in Matthew and Luke's gospel as well. And so we come here to verse number 13, and we look at this together. And they brought young children to him, that he should touch them, and his disciples rebuked those that brought them. We see some group of people, we're not told who they are, but they are bringing children to Jesus. And the idea is that they are bringing them, and they continue to bring them. There is a flow of children coming to Jesus now. And many were bringing them, and uh, when we look at the word child here, or children, um, we know that it can span the idea of a toddler all the way up to 12 years of age. The same word when Jesus is called a child, when the wise men come to visit him, he'd have been somewhere around a year age, and we use the word child there. Uh, and then all the way up to Jairus' daughter when she is 12 years of age, um, and now we use the, word, the same word child. But here specifically it says young children. And we get the idea that these are even smaller still. And so these young children are being brought to him. And, and the wording here is that they kept bringing them. They kept bringing them. And it was just a constant flow. 
Um, and what we see then is it was a common Jewish custom to have the rabbi bless a child. It's not unheard of in scripture, and it was definitely not heard of in their Jewish custom. As a matter of fact, you remember when Jesus came to the temple and Simeon saw him and he blessed him and he thanked God that he'd seen the salvation of the Lord. And we go all the way back to Genesis chapter 48 when Jacob, which was then called Israel, had gone down to Egypt where Joseph was. And Joseph's two sons are brought into Jacob's presence on his deathbed. And he brings them in before his dad. And his dad puts his hands on the heads of his boys and, and he blesses them. And he does this. And this is a very normal custom that they would bless these children and do so in a way uh, because of the honor they had for the rabbis. And so what I want to do is, first I want you to see a worthy plan. This is a worthy plan. I mean, they're bringing children to Jesus. I mean, and what could be better than bringing children to Jesus? Let me just encourage us to bring children to Jesus. Bring our children to Jesus. Make it something that is inescapable in the eyes of our children. He, they wanted Jesus to bless them. They wanted the blessing of Jesus on the child. And this morning, how much do we need the touch of Jesus? The touch of Jesus is what your child needs. It's what I need. And if we were just to look in the gospel of Mark, what we've seen already is that his touch has cleansed lepers and it's healed the issue of blood and it's cast out demons and it's open blinded eyes and it's, it's loosened deaf, uh, un, uh, tongues and it's raised the dead. And it's the touch of Jesus that every one of us needs this morning. They need the blessing of Jesus on their life. And let me say, we have a responsibility as moms and dads, as dads and, and leaders in our home, to bring our children to Jesus. And let me, just, let me just say this. Don't buy into the world's context that somehow or another, you're going to let your child decide for themselves what they want to do with religion. That is a pagan concept. You're not going to open scripture and have Jesus or anywhere in scripture, Old Testament or new, and say, hey, you know what, let your children decide. No, the instruction is bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Teach them when you sit down and when you rise up and when you go to eat. Everywhere you go, teach your children about it. Now, here's the reality of the fact. God has blessed our home with three children. He's blessed you with children. And one day our children are going to rise up and they're going to make their own decision. And how many of you understand children can break our heart? Yeah, and when they do that, that we, we understand that they are responsible for those decisions. We agree with it. But here's the thing. Television's preaching at them every day. Education systems are preaching at them every day. The, every, every app that is out there has a message and they're preaching it. It's heard everywhere in every entertainment. And they preach a very, a very powerful and active message. And then we're supposed to sit back and be quiet. No. I want to be the loudest voice in my children's ear saying that Jesus is Lord, and I want it to be so undeniable that when they leave my home, they'll at least know that their mom and dad were passionately in love with Jesus. And make it in front of them every day. And my heart's desire for my children is for them to know the Lord Jesus Christ and have his blessing on their life and to be surrendered to him and taking their talents and saying, God, here are my talents. Take them and use them for your glory. By no means, and I thank God for my mom and dad and the influence they had on me. And dad used to say, I'd never call my son to preach, and he never did. But I knew this, I knew my dad loved the Lord Jesus Christ. And I could see him preaching on the cross, and when he would preach on the cross, the tears would fill his eyes, because he was moved by the fact that he was a sinner, and Jesus was a great savior. And that is the hope that we must put in front of our children, 
and make it a priority. You know, we spend so much money and so much time taking our children to so many different places. I almost feel like at times we ought to charge for church so we'll think it's important. Because we spend so much energy and so much time. I'm amazed at what we'll take our children to with religious fervor. We'll invest our children in those things at the expense of coming to the house of God. Bring your children to Jesus. And I know that's not popular. And I know that you could say, well, pastor, you're being a legalist. But I would say to you, you have a greater responsibility to teach your children the things of God than you do to teach them their ABCs. And let me just say, from, from my heart to you this morning, I would rather my children miss school on Monday than miss church on Sunday. And I think we, we have gotten, we have bought a bill of goods from this world that somehow or another, our children are not going to be well adjusted if they're not on everything and doing everything and running 90 miles an hour. I would say this, if you could fill their hearts with the word of God, that's the best thing you can do for your children. I challenge you, I'm not against sports. I played sports in high school. We did all those things. But do it with a priority on the word of God and a priority on the house of God. Young people, you've got all things going on and you get so busy running this place and that place, you don't even have time to show up for youth group. And I challenge you this morning, slow your schedule down and be there. Just as as maybe a piece of counsel for you this morning. Maybe, just maybe, what Pastor Caleb has prepared to share with you at youth group is more important than what you're going to see at that game. Just maybe. Now, you're going to have to weigh that one because I can't make you make that decision. But I would challenge you to put the priority on coming to Jesus and bringing our children to Jesus, making it a priority. I want you to see not only a a worthy plan, but I want you to see also a pious rebuke. The, the disciples are running around. Now, they've had a problem with people being around Jesus for a while now. Remember that the, the ones were over here and they, they were casting out demons in his name, but they weren't running with their group and they're like, hey, you guys stop casting out demons. We don't want any good works doing unless it comes from our church. And Jesus says, no, don't rebuke them. They encourage them to keep going. He said, if they're not against us, they're for us. And, and then we see them fighting over here about who's the most important. And now... The children are coming, and, and it's an interesting to me that the picture here on the wording is that they were coming to Jesus, and they kept on coming to Jesus, and they were rebuking them to no avail. The idea is they're, they're like, run over here. Hey, no, 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 Le- leave them alone. Take the kids out of here, and then another one came behind them. You know, it's kind of like working in junior church, right? It's just like this way and that way, and they're trying, to, and it's like, what's going on? Everywhere they go, there's another kid coming in, and Jesus sees this, and the disciples would rebuke those that brought them. You know, may God help us this morning who are unwilling to reach all people, even the least of these. And here the apostles, no doubt, in their own mind, they're thinking, hey, do you know who this is? This is the rabbi. He's very important. He didn't have time. Let me say this. If we don't have time for the least of these, we're missing the point of the gospel. We're missing the point of it altogether. Help us if we will not reach the weak and the helpless, because that is exactly what we're talking about here. The weak and the helpless. I want you to see not only this, but an indignant Savior. See Jesus' heart toward this. And if you would, look in verse um, number 14. And Jesus saw it, and he was much displeased. The word here literally can be translated indignant. He's very 
angry with their behavior. He's, no, this is not, oh, guys, if you don't mind, cut that out. No, it's, hey, stop that. Don't, don't suffer the children to come to me. And what's built into this idea of suffering the children to come to Jesus is the idea of stop rebuking them for coming and help them get here. It's to do both things. Stop holding them off and make a path for them to get here. Organize a way for them to get here. I picture at the end of this text as these children are lining up, coming to Jesus and being blessed, and we see them lining up and they're coming and continuing to come. I see them helping organize the plan. Oh, you're next, you're next, you're next, you're next. And Jesus is taking these children in his arms and blessing them. I would ask us this morning, Jesus is upset, he's indignant about their holding the children away. Indignant. What makes you indignant? What makes me indignant? And is it of eternal value or temporal value? And Jesus is indignant about the eternal value of the souls in front of him. They're being held away from coming to him. Men are getting upset and they get upset in this text in our, and just previous to this text, they're upset about who's the greatest. And we get worked up about standing and position. Well, they didn't ask me to do that. I didn't get that title. Well, how come I'm not, I'm not involved? And we can get indignant about a broad spectrum of things and hear Jesus is saying, hey, this is what is upsetting me as you're holding the children from coming. The indignant Savior. Not only an indignant Savior, but this is where we get to it. Now, if we were to stop right here and put a pin in the sermon, we could take some moral instruction from what we've heard. And basically the moral instruction is Jesus is nice to kids, you should be nice to kids, right? Um, don't be C.W. Fields, be nice to kids, you know? And we could go home and we would have some, you know, the kids would have a better afternoon maybe, I don't know, because you would remember today at least to be nice to kids. But that's not the point of what he's driving at here. He's not driving at just trying to get us to be nicer to kids. That's not what he's driving at, and he's going to give us what he wants to come. He says the gospel instruction is what I want you to see next. Jesus gives this admonition in verse number 14, suffer the little children to come unto me. Suffer them to come and forbid them not, for such is the kingdom of heaven. He said, let them come. Why did Jesus want to see these kids? Why did he want to bring them in? I mean, was it a situation to where, you know, hey man, that kid's got connections. If I could talk with him, that would catapult me somewhere, you know? Or that kid's really well off, man. I need to get to know that kid. He might be able to help my campaign, you know, that wasn't it. Maybe you're thinking this morning, well, I know why you want to see kids, because we all like kids. They're cute and cuddly, right? I mean, they're just adorable. And you see those little kids, and, you know, especially when they're just that toddler age, and we were thinking, uh, TJ was sharing her memory of Savannah when she was cute and cuddly. And uh, not that she's not now, so don't tell her I said she's not, all right? But when she was just a little one, and she, she had little pigtails that we put in her hair, you know? And she'd walk between the pews of the church, and all you could see is her little pigtails bobbing up and down over the top of it, you know? You'd see those little pigtails popping up over the top of the pew, and that's all you could see. And she's back and forth throughout the church. And, I mean, I look at the young people around here, and I see them uh, with their cards, and they're filling out their note cards, and they're taking notes in church, and I see them in the hallway and playing with one another. And, yeah, absolutely, you just want to pick them up and squeeze them. They're just adorable. But, but I'm glad that's not what Jesus has in focus here. Because he says, to such belongs the kingdom of God. And so children who are cute and cuddly belong the children of God, the kingdom of God. So it means the way into the kingdom of God is being in cute and cuddly? I mean, that kind of puts us out of the running, doesn't it? 
I mean, we're kind of out of there, you know, we don't have a way in. You know, maybe there's somebody here, you're cute and cuddly, and that's going to get you in, I don't know. But that's not what he's got in focus here. It's not the fact that they're adorable or welcoming or even loving or fun to be around that, that is the draw here. He says, to such belong the kingdom of God. If we adults had to be cute and sweet and huggable to enter heaven, we'd be in trouble for sure. No, it's that this same relation that we see in chapter 9 is being applied here. And what do we see in the cha- chapter 9? The least of these. What is he talking about, the least of these? Those that are weak and helpless and without standing. That's what he's talking about. To those who are weak and helpless and without standing, to such is the kingdom of God. Because it is only those who recognize that they are weak and they are helpless and they are without standing that can enter the kingdom of God. You see, this morning, salvation has always been by grace, through faith, not by pedigree or by power. It is not your standing that brings you into the kingdom of God. It is your realization of your lack of standing that brings us into the kingdom of God. This morning, are we helpless without standing on our own? See, whoever does not become like a child cannot enter the kingdom of God. Are we weakless? Weak? Are we helpless? Are we of no standing? Or are we like later on in this text, and we'll see in the next time we come back to Mark, we'll see the rich young ruler, and what does he do? He walks out to meet Jesus, and he says, good teacher, I have a question for you. How can I inherit eternal life? Jesus says, what does Moses say? And he doesn't give you what Moses says. He pulls out his resume, and he shows, I've kept all the law, I've done all these things, and I'm wealthy, and I've accomplished, and look where I've done. What must I do? To enter the kingdom of life. Look at that later, but this man does not come weak and helpless and without standing. No, he stands there boldly on, look at my standing, look at what I've accomplished, look at what I've done. Now tell me what else I need to do so I can enter the kingdom of God. And you understand this morning it is by grace, through faith, not of works, lest any man should boast. And Jesus says, unless you become a child, as a child, So my fear is far too many adults are still thinking God is impressed with you. God's not impressed with our standing. He's not impressed with our wealth and our accomplishment. He's not impressed with our knowledge or our talent. He gave us our talent. He gave us our knowledge. It's his providence that brought us to our standing. God's not impressed with that. Notice the severity of his warning. He does not say that, you know, most of you that come this way won't enter. No, he says, if you do not come in as a child, you shall not enter. You cannot come in any other way because it is this this heart of the humble, weak, undeserving person that we enter into his presence. Can you be humbled as a child? Can you say with Philip Bliss and his song, and I love this phrase in his song, guilty, vile, and helpless we, spotless lamb of God is he, full atonement can it be, hallelujah, what a savior. What a horrible resume though, right? What's on your resume? Guilty, vile, helpless. That's not how we fill out our resumes, is it? No, we would write it more like this, strong, able, accomplished me. And yet we're called to be weak and to be humble 
if we would enter the kingdom of God. The attitude is most evident. This attitude of pride and self-exaltation and self-importance is most evident when we display our impatience with those who we think don't measure up. Who annoys you? Who gets under your skin? They just don't quite make the cut. And God uses those people, I think, to show us how truly prideful we are. Remember, we must consider the least of these in chapter 9. He says, consider the least of these, right? Minister to the least of these. And now in chapter 10, he says, become like the least of these. I think a lot of Christian ministry is we see ourselves as condescending to people. Instead of understanding we are just like those people. We are guilty, vile, and helpless. And except the grace of God came to where we are, we would die in our sins. So this humility is and should be an ongoing reality in the life of a believer. When you see things annoying you, when your temper flares, it ought to be a red light on the dash of your spiritual car saying, pride, 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 pride. I would just ask you in your own mind today, look back in your mind and ask yourself, who is the person that annoyed me last? What got me ticked off? And there's a good barometer of seeing where pride is raised up in my heart. The songwriter said it this way, all the way my Savior leads me. What have I on earth besides? Not part of the way, and I got the rest, Lord, but it's all the way my Savior leads me. We sang the song this morning, I need thee, oh, I need thee. Every hour I need you. I I cannot do this on my own. I must have you. The one songwriter wrote it this way. Could my my tears forever flow? Could my zeal no languor know? The languor means to weaken or to, to run weak. So my zeal would be forever passionate. My tears would ever flow. These for sin could not atone. Thou must save and thou alone. In my hand no price I bring, simply to thy cross I cling. And the call this morning and the conclusion of this whole text is that he's trying to get us to see that we must be humble and weak if we would enter the kingdom of God because no man is going to come boasting in his accomplishments, but they will come acknowledging that they have nothing to offer. For such is the kingdom of God. He took them in his arms, and I cannot look at verse number 16 and read it without thinking of the sweetness of our Lord. He took them up in his arms, put his hands upon them, and blessed them. Some commentators going back and forth of what the age of these children would be were told they're young children. I, I think toddlers at the oldest. But I picture a little one who's maybe not even able to talk yet. Maybe it's just a word or two, and they bring them to Jesus, and Jesus takes that little one in their arms and holds that little one and blesses that child. I mean, could you imagine the creator of the universe 
holding your little baby in his hands and blessing that child. What a, what a, what a sight. And here's the picture, is that they came and they kept on coming. And there was a line of children coming through and being blessed by Jesus. And each one, he took the time to lean down and pick them up and hold them in their arms and, and to bless those children. What had they done this morning to deserve that blessing? What did those children do to deserve the blessing? Anyone? Nothing. They couldn't do it. And that's the point. That's why we call it grace. It's because there was no power in their hand to deserve the blessing from the creator of the universe. There was no strength that would recommend them. There was no pedigree that would give them standing. They were simply brought by their parents to Jesus and received the blessing because they were weak and unable to do it all. And by the way, this morning, when we go to Jesus, what did we do to deserve his grace? Nothing. And I come into his presence, and he blesses me freely. That's the whole point, is that they were weak, and they could not earn it. And Jesus is saying to those men around him, yea, even his own disciples, except you become as these little children, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. We said it a minute ago, in my hand, no price I bring. Simply to thy cross I cling. This morning, I'm so glad that Jesus gives us this story and reminds us to become as children. Not cute and cuddly, because then we'd have no hope. But we can become weak, and we can become humble, and ask him for grace to lower ourselves before him, understanding that he is everything, and we are nothing. Jesus loves the little children all the children of the world, red and yellow, black and white, they are precious in his sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world. Pray with me if you would. Father, we do thank you that you put instruction in your text for us. Lord, I pray, Father, we would not miss it this morning, but we would apply it. Holy Spirit of God, may we check our own hearts for pride and hubris, arrogance that would give me standing and I would look down upon anyone. And Father, help me to humble myself and come before you. We'll praise you for what you've done in our hearts this morning. In the precious name of Jesus, we ask all these things. Would you stand with me now as we sing together? <laughs>